As Steve said, the readings are from Galatians. My reading is Galatians 3, 1 to 15. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law, or because you believe what you heard? What you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. And the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith, on the contrary. The man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has already been duly established, so it is in this case. Amen. Second reading is Galatians. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 26, titled, Freedom in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the spirit of righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will, will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Life by spirit. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to contrary to the sinful nature. They are, <clears throat> they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immortality, impurity and debauchery, adultery and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its own with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Amen. Thanks to Rona and to Bruce. So when I was praying about what to talk about this morning, I really felt that God was telling me to talk about Galatians. I'd been studying it a few months ago, and it had really helped me to come to terms with some of the passages in the Old Testament that I was grappling with. But then I realized it was August, and I thought, there won't be any junior church. How's this going to work? I can't talk about Galatians in, a, in, a, in an all-age service. I can't, I, I'm not up to that. But fortunately, I found out that there was junior church this morning, so I was okay. I could talk about Galatians, so God hadn't let me down. My panic was over. So, 
I don't know if anybody else has found this as as they've been reading the Old Testament, particularly books like Leviticus. And you read through all these things about having different fibers on the top and on the bottom. And, you know, I mean, they're just the, well, I was going to say the silly things, but they're not silly. But, you know, things like circumcision that was mentioned there. You know, we know Jesus lived as a Jew, so why don't we have to? It, it just really, when I, when I first became a Christian, I, I really struggled with it. It seemed like we would just had to listen to Jesus for the good bits. We didn't have to listen to Jesus for anything that looked particularly hard. I don't think that's true anymore, by the way, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that. When you hear about Jesus... When you read about him in the Bible, he seemed to be living as a Jew. There were a few little bits, like he had the arguments um, with the religious leaders about healing on the Sabbath and and whether that was work. Well, you just think, is that a technicality, a point of law? There's nothing that says he went and did a shift at McDonald's on a Saturday or or the Sabbath. He didn't really tell anybody in the New Testament or to, to, sacri- to make sacrifices. So, but he then he didn't tell anybody that they shouldn't either. So I struggled for quite a long time. I've kind of learned sometimes you just have to wait, though. As you read difficult passages, sometimes you just have to wait and just say, okay... I'll read it, I'll try and understand it, but let's just wait. And, and at some point, it'll either be, when, it, when, it's, when the time is right for God, then it'll become clear. So I started to read Galatians, and it became clear that it wasn't just me who was worried about Christians not following the law. There were early Christians, not even just early Christians, that also thought that Christians should follow the law. We heard a couple of passages from Galatians there. It's definitely one of my favourite books, and, and actually it's not a very long book. I, I urge you to read it. We've heard it. I know it was quite, quite long for a reading, but we heard about a quarter of the book of Galatians this morning. So you could definitely fit it in over a cup of coffee. So in the letter, we'll just talk, perhaps go back a little bit and talk about what, why Paul wrote the letter. So there was this group of Christians who believed that all Christians should follow the law. And they're often known as Judaizers. Uh, and I, I think I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm struggling with the word. But anyway, we'll say Judaizers. And they believed that Christians should follow all of the Old Testament law and ritual. They were kind of Paul's opponents, really. Um, Paul had gone in and set up the church um, and told them to live by the Spirit and taught, and taught them the gospel of Jesus. And then these guys are coming in and saying, oh yeah, Christianity is great, but you've really got to do all this stuff as well. It's not, it's not either or. You've got to follow the, the, whole of the, the whole of the Bible. All of the law, all of the, all of the books of Moses... 
Paul wasn't desperately happy when he, read, when he heard about this. So as you read the book, you'll see that he defends his position, but, but he defends it quite aggressively in places. They did have another objection, these Judaizers. They claimed that Paul wasn't an apostle. There were 12 apostles. Jesus had appointed them in the beginning. They also accepted Jesus' brother as an apostle. But Paul was just a a Johnny-come-lately who was claiming stuff that wasn't true. So... As I say, Paul quite firmly defends his position as you read Galatians, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that he says in a minute. This bit about the law, I mean, Paul is saying to, to this church, you don't have to be circumcised. Well, for the Jews, that was a big deal, and, and for the people who become Christians, because if you actually, if you look back in your Bible, the covenant between Abraham and God where God says, you're my chosen people and and you need to be circumcised to prove that, that was in Genesis chapter 17. So that was right there at the beginning. So it was a big deal. And in chapter 17, God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male shall be among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be sign of the covenant between me and you. So it's pretty strong stuff back in Genesis chapter 17. And these guys, these Judaizers, they believed that the law was God's highest revelation. It wasn't open to any interpretation or any retranslation or any new covenant in Jesus. The law was the law. God had said it, and that was that. They also worried that if Christians didn't keep the law, then what's the difference between a Christian and a non Christian? How can they be distinguished? I mean, that really makes you think, doesn't it? Because if you don't keep the law, then how are you distinctive? What difference does it make to us that Jesus came and everything that he did? If it doesn't make a difference, then what's the point? So how does Paul respond? Well, he starts off at the beginning of Galatians by tackling the approach to his authority. So first of all, he says he doesn't need any of these other 12 apostles because on the road to Damascus, Christ stopped him and revealed the, uh, the gospel to him there and then. So you remember Paul wasn't born Paul, he was Saul. That's what his mum called him. And he was a Pharisee. When we talk about the Easter story, we do a bit of booing and hissing when we hear about the Pharisees. Paul was one of them, and quite a good one from all accounts. He liked to persecute Christians. 
He was even involved, if you read the story of where Stephen, the first sort of Christian martyr, Paul was there. He was involved in killing Stephen. So he wasn't he, so Paul's he's not too worried about the the claim that the original twelve didn't sort of anoint him because he says he was anointed directly by Christ on the road to Damascus. The other part of his claim is that actually when he did meet the other twelve, then he did acknowledge that he had been anointed and entrusted by Jesus to share the gospel, particularly with Gentiles or non-Jews. So that's the the defense of the authority sorted in the first bit. So then he goes on to talk about his assertion that it's not necessary in the New Testament church to follow all the laws and rituals of the Old Testament. And this was the bit I wanted to understand. This was this was why, you know, this was what was really getting to me. So he's quite systematic in this. So first of all, he reminds the Galatians that since Pentecost, when God's Holy Spirit came down, that they've been living by the Holy Spirit and not by their own endeavours. And you remember in that at the start of that that first reading, he starts off, "Are you so foolish?" After being with the beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? You hear lots of words like foolish and things like that in this, in, in this letter. In fact, it's, it's been described as a, as a letter written in, a, written in a white-hot fury. It's definitely not full of platitudes and, oh, oh you great people. The initial bit, the greetings at the start, are quite short for Paul. He usually goes on about all the, you know, lots of platitudes, but he doesn't put them in this. And uh, and, uh, and whether you spotted it or not, you you heard Bruce uh, reading Galatians five twelve. He almost descends to crudity, and you can you can read that again if you missed it. He goes on to write in chapter three. Cursed is everyone who does not do everything written in the book of law. So I'm just sort of getting to the point where I'm thinking, yeah, I get it now. And then he sort of says, oh, you've got to do that. And I thought, oh, this, so this took me a time. But he's not saying that. What he's saying is, if you try and live by the law, you have to live by the law. That's all of the law. Not the bits that suit, but if you're going to be justified by the law, so if you're going to live like that, you've got to live by all of it. And that includes the bits about the different fibres on the top and the bottom and the, everything. Paul says this is impossible. And I think if you read the law, I think I have to say I agree. Paul talks in chapter 4, that we've not covered, not read this morning, but he talks about the New Testament church being the church coming of age. He describes it like the, rule, the Old Testament is almost like the rules given to children when they're growing up. And the New Testament is the rules given to adults. So if you think about crossing the road, you tell children, you must not cross the road. 
Now that isn't because you don't want them to cross the road, but you know that if they cross the road, they're not going to be safe on their own. They've not reached that level of maturity to cross the road on their own. So God gave these rules. Knowing that Jesus was coming later, he said, right, live by these rules for now and you will be safe. But as they reach maturity later, they're able to understand how God really wants them to live. So continuing the attack on the Judaizers, Paul goes on in chapter 4, and you might have to read a bit at the beginning of Genesis as well when you read chapter 4, he talks about the inheritance of Abraham's two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac was born of Sarah, born from God's promise and free to inherit his father's wealth. Ishmael, son of Hagar, is born the ordinary way to the slave woman. And Paul reminds us that the Old, Test- the Old Testament says, get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. So Paul's saying, if you accept the gospel of Jesus, then you're born of God's promise. You're born of the free woman and you will, act, you will get God's inheritance. As he gets towards the end of the letter, Paul gets quite strong. Not that he's not been strong all the way through. But he says, Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be no value to you at all. Now, of course, he's not really talking about circumcision there, because actually, if you, if you remember in the reading we heard, it does say there's, there's no circumcision or uncircumcision in Christ. It doesn't make any difference. But again, he's just pounding on at this. If you try and follow the law, you've got to follow all the law. He's telling his readers, if they follow the law, then they're choosing to be justified by the law. And they're they're rejecting justification by faith in Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 5, he begs the readers to trust in and live by the Holy Spirit knowing that the Holy Spirit will work within all of us to sanctify us and help us to to live distinctively as followers of Jesus. We can be distinctive as followers of Jesus without following every letter of the law in Leviticus. Paul ends the arguments by writing the last part of the letter in his own hand. This was pretty rare in them days. He would have normally had somebody write it all for him. It was particularly difficult for Paul because if you read about him, he seemed to have some problems with his eyesight. 
So I think he would have found it quite difficult. And the, there's mention that the letters were very big. And I think that's probably partly because of the, the frustration, the anger, perhaps, and partly because he's struggling with his eyesight. He does soften what he says, though, when he's writing in his own hand. He challenges the, moti- mo- the motives of the Judaizers. He's saying they're trying to protect themselves because at that time, telling people that they didn't need to be circumcised, that was asking for persecution. That was probably a bit like the guy that we heard in the prayers who who was going back to Afghanistan or, or looked like he was going to be sent back to Afghanistan as a, as a Christian, he would be persecuted. So starting to sum up, Paul defends the accusation of the Judaizers that he's not got the authority, both by telling them reminding the church about what happened on the road to Damascus and also by reminding them that the the original 12 the original apostles all accepted that he was ordained to preach the gospel to gentiles his arguments against them boiled down really to the gospel offering freedom in Christ instead of justification by letter of the law it offers justification by belief in Jesus and living life empowered by the Holy Spirit as a reformed church we know that one of Martin Luther's the great clarion call of him was justification by faith so that's why you're not compelled to follow the letter of the law if you accept Jesus as your saviour but and it's a big one we have to take care I've been reading about an early Christian heresy called antinomianism which some of these Jews may have feared I'm not sure it's just an early Christian heresy according to this it didn't matter how much you sinned because the more you sin the more grace you get so that you should sin more and get more grace don't get caught in that trap that's not what this is saying We still have to be live distinctively. We're still called to live for Jesus. I can't recommend enough that you read the book of Galatians. As I said, it's not a long book. It probably would have been quicker just to read the book of Galatians than have me warble on about it for 20 minutes. Pour yourself a cup of tea or coffee and have a read. So, to try and just get it into a nutshell, I don't believe that Jesus' message was that it doesn't matter what we do because we get more grace.
I believe that Jesus' message was we need to follow two commandments. We need to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you think those last couple of sentences were really good, I didn't write them myself. We need to follow these two commandments by asking God to give us his Holy Spirit, to live within us and work within us. And when we get it wrong, which we will, we know that we can say sorry to God. And he will forgive us and he will give us another chance, however many times it takes. Let's pray before we have our final songs. Father, we give thanks for your word, for your patience, for your forgiveness, for your love, for your spirit, for Jesus. I pray that, pray that you will inspire us all to have a passion for you, for scripture, and most importantly to follow those two commandments. In Jesus' name, amen.